Jack Sherry on 2FM. Well, if you, like me, spend far too much time on the internet, then you will know that something that strikes you almost every day in that godforsaken place is the audacity and the brazenness of the people who are making millions and big careers for themselves on the internet. In fact, sometimes it even drifts over into proper scamming. Former vice journalist and executive producer of the hit Netflix documentary Fire, Gabrielle Bluestone, delves into this murky ecosystem of social media and the internet in her new book, Hype, how scammers, grifters and con artists are taking over the internet and why we're following. Gabrielle, thanks so much for for coming on. Of course, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. This is right in my wheelhouse, um, but I feel like we have to start at the start, which is, of course, your work on the FIRE documentary. Um, how did you get involved in that absolutely wild story? I mean, I guess one of the best known scams that began in the internet. Yeah, um, well, you know, initially I saw it just like everyone else on Instagram and it looked like the party of the century. Um, and then I really got interested when I saw someone I know personally posting about it on their Instagram. And then it went from this abstract event that was happening to all of a sudden I had that panicky feeling like, am I going to miss out on something? Yeah. Is something cool happening? So I started to look into it. I, I Googled it to see what it was. Um, and almost immediately, uh, these red flags started popping up. You know, it had been advertised as this extraordinarily luxurious event, you know, with all of the top influencers on Instagram in attendance. Uh, but when you went to the website, you know, they described these luxurious villas that you would stay in, but they had no pictures. Mm. And they were selling these $250,000 yacht packages, but the website looked like it had been designed by a high school coding, <laughs> you know, there were what they were marketing and then what they actually had to present just didn't line up at all. And so the more I looked into it, the more it seemed really clear that there was this massive, large scale scam happening before our eyes and nobody would listen or was noticing. Um, one of the most striking experiences of reporting out this story is that even my bosses, my editors were like, ah, I don't know if this is really like a vice story. You know, we were mm. doing a lot of international war reporting at the time and they were like this seems kind of petty uh but once it started going viral on social media um that was when we went with the story and it just kept getting worse from there you yeah know? I don't think any of us who live on the internet will ever forget the photograph of the like easy single slice of cheese on the <laughs> like stale looking bread in the styrofoam container like watching it unfold live was very enjoyable as an internet observer, but obviously not enjoyable for the people who'd paid thousands to go to this island and have apparently the time of their lives. Yeah, the contrasts were so extreme, which is kind of what made it so funny, but also so horrible for those people. Um, they had been promised private jets and what it turned out to be were these old retired uh, passenger like uh, airline jets that were just used for private charters. Mm -hmm. uh, they were told it was on a private island. And when they arrived, it was a wet, soggy gravel pit next to a sandals resort, which is, you know, a decidedly low rent chain. Um, they had been promised uh, exquisite food catered by the celebrity chef Steven Starr. Instead, they found the single sliced cheese sandwiches. Um, but it also made me realize while reporting it that this kind of contrast between marketing and reality, or some people call it Instagram and reality, mm. um, is so present in every aspect of our lives. And we have, as a as a culture, grown to accept hype and marketing in lieu of the real thing. It really is of the world and, and our, you know, our 
society at large. Yeah, and it, there's also that contrast between the people who were watching the fire thing unfold and then who absolutely devoured the documentary that you worked on and for whom it was entertainment as well as kind of commentary on the way that we live now. And then the people who, of course bought into it hook, line and sinker. It seems like the users of the internet uh, like to see themselves as like, you know, poles apart. But in reality, those lines can blur, can't they? They absolutely can. Um, And one of the sad things about the festival is the way they marketed it, you would think that it was all, you know, crazy rich people who fell for it, who kind of, you know, deserved it in a sense. Mm. But actually it was, you know, young college kids who are scraping together the money because they thought that they had an opportunity to live like the people they were following on Instagram. Um, But it also reveals a really interesting aspect of human psychology, uh, which I delve into in the book as well, which is that people don't really feel sorry for victims of scams. Um, Mm. If you are an outsider watching it unfold, I think it is human nature to kind of assume that you wouldn't have fallen for it and that the people who did were either, you know, too gullible or deserved it in some sense. Mm. And con artists are also unique types of criminals and that there is really a begrudging admiration for them for pulling it off, right? Mm -hmm. They're called con artists for a reason. There is an artistry involved. Mm -hmm charisma and a confidence that is required to pull something like that off. And so I think all of those elements come together uh, to create that atmosphere that you were describing. Yeah, and it's funny because obviously as we watched the documentary, you could see that there were people involved in Fire Festival who really, you know, were authentically involved, who had been sold the same lie as every, you know, all the people who'd bought tickets and for whom it was really stressful. Um, you know, so I, I think that's the thing about sometimes these internet scams or internet tricksters or whatever you want to call them, fraudsters, is that sometimes there is a note of authenticity authenticity in there like the idea or the plan is real but then people kind of get carried away with their confidence or something at their ability to kind of carry things off and I think Caroline Calloway who you write in your book is a really good example of that yeah I mean uh that was something that came up a lot um with Billy McFarland who was the firefighter yeah, where people were really questioning whether he was a real scam artist or just someone who got in over his head. And I think that that is something similar that has surrounded um, Caroline Calloway. Uh, but, you know, there comes a point where, you know, I, I think this woman has sold two books now that she hasn't written. Um, she had this creativity tour that kind of mirrored the fire Festival in many ways. I think there comes a point where you either know or should know that you are not able to provide the things that you are selling. And that is where it crosses the line into yeah. criminality or, you know, scam scam artistry. Uh, but it's also not limited just to social media and influence. Right. Mm. Um, One of the things that was a big wake up call for me in investigating this book is how many companies we think of as legitimate or, you know, founders that we think of as visionaries who really all it is is that they're very good at marketing. And so I think that applies to people like Elon Musk and, you know, Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, the the fake blood test that raised billions of dollars. Henry Kissinger was an advisor to that company, you know, and I think he played the same role that an influencer would in that once you have a big name 
supporting you, people tend not to ask very many questions. That again is human nature. Yeah, that's so true. But one thing, you know, when I was reading the book and when I was thinking about myself, I mean, first of all, I have to say I am exactly the kind of person who would have bought a ticket to Fire Festival. I love to make a plan. I, I'm, I'm always first off the mark. What if it sells out? This would be a really nice thing to look forward to. I'm going to buy tickets. So I can't pretend like I'm above it because I'm not. But the other thing that I kept thinking is, how do these people live with themselves and I don't mean in a kind of morally like outraged way I just mean if I was selling tickets to something and then the date of it was coming closer and closer and I knew I wasn't going to be able to follow through I would have a nervous breakdown like I would have to be hospitalized I wouldn't be able to handle it but these people seem to have like a weird level of confidence or arrogance or what is it um, well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that in, in that you have to have a certain level of confidence. I mean, it requires a certain psychology that I think a lot of these people share, um, which is, you know, confidence in yourself um, in, in face of, of evidence to the contrary. Uh, and then, you know, a belief that if it goes wrong, uh, it's not the biggest deal, right? I don't think that these people, their focus is on the actual product or, or what actually happens on game day. I think it is all about the buildup and how well they are able to sell things to people and whether they can convince people of things. And, you know, what happens after they've convinced them seems to be um, the least of their worries. It's really all focused on the buildup. Yeah, it, it does seem to be. And it also seems to be more about like, a per, in many cases, more about like a personal brand or the way that you're selling yourself. And, you know, to come back to Caroline Calloway, who just in case people aren't f- f- familiar with that whole saga, she basically became internet famous. She went viral for having, you know, sold tickets to these events that then turned out to be like either non-existent or she had, she started live tweeting basically the whole downfall. She was like, I ordered a million candles and they don't fit in my apartment. And, you know, you know, I have this event, but I don't have a venue and the whole thing was falling apart. But as you said, you know, she's had two books since and, you know, she has a great agent who in, in the book you mentioned is the same agent as Hannah Burner, who's a reality TV star uh, from the show Summer House, which I am obsessed with. Um, so, you know, it doesn't really matter that she sold a lot of tickets that she couldn't follow through on and let people down. And I believe you like, were those people reimbursed? I, I don't think so. I, I don't some know somewhere were, yeah but not all were um but as you mentioned she's uh sold two books since I think she finally maybe paid her publisher back because she never wrote the first one yeah. uh and then she personally you know on her own personal website sold copies of a second book which uh it's a year later now since she promised it would be printed and it's still there's no sign that this book even exists um but, but she's know, still I, making money isn't she yes yeah well that's the thing the yeah. goal I a lot of these people is the fame and the notoriety um, and this is just one method of achieving that I think there is a certain narcissism that is required yeah. to be so good at you know conning people in a way I'm jealous like I'd love to have even 10% of the confidence and like um, I don't know maybe I was gonna say stupidity but it's not stupidity because they get away with it like does anyone have to suffer real consequences No. And that's the interesting thing about, you know, these uh, con artists and grifters and scammers. Um, It seems to be like the one crime that you can't get canceled for. Uh, And if you look at the way things have turned out, right, like there are two documentaries, a book, and I think at least two scripted projects in development about Billy McFarland now, Anna Delvey, the Soho grifter. Has Ugh. a Shonda Rhimes project. Which, by the way, I will gobble up. Like, I cannot get enough of it. 
Yeah, like Jordan Belfort, The Wolf of Wall Street got played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Like it really does. They level up. They mm. fail upwards. Um, it is like a very fascinating thing. And, and, and you know, I, I do think it is almost like a distinctly American archetype. Like we mm. really encourage that kind of hucksterism, yeah. fake it to make it. Uh, mentality and it has pervaded every element of life. I mean, look look at the fact that we look at Uber as this blue chip unicorn company. Uber has never turned a profit. Like, why are we talking about <laughs> it in these revered terms when it is losing a billion dollars a year? Like, it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, that's such a good point about the kind of American factor because I was born in Ireland, but I actually moved to America when I was seven and moved back when I was 16. So I had a good nine years there. And um, the difference between the American attitude toward life and the Irish attitude toward life is substantial. Like in America, it's you can be whoever you want to be. Like you can make it. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your parents were. You can become anything you want. And in Ireland, it's like, don't get too big for your boots. Oh, you think you're great, do you? Like there's no, that is not, it's very different. It's like, be realistic with your goals, okay? I don't know who you think you are. Like that's the vibe. So maybe that's why we don't have the same kind of thing going on here, but we do absolutely devour all of the stuff that happens stateside. We can't get enough of it. Before I let you go, why do you think we have such an appetite for this kind of thing? Um, well, I think scams are fascinating. Um, and everybody loves, you know, a good grifter story to see how people are getting one over and bucking the system, right? There's a little bit of like a rebellious streak, I think, in everyone. Um, but yeah, it, again, it comes back to the artistry of yeah. how they are able to convince the masses of, you know, when you're when you're Monday night, uh, quarterbacking it like you can you can see you're like why would people ever fall for that it's fascinating to watch them in action working yeah. it over on other people yeah well I love it I loved your book it's hype how scammers grifters and con artists are taking over the internet and why we're following if you're into this kind of thing at all I can't recommend it enough thank you so much Gabrielle Bluestone I so appreciate you coming on and chatting to me I could talk about this for the rest of my days <laughs> so never stop covering it please well, thank you so much for having me. And if you ever want to talk more about it, you know my number. I do. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. Louise McSherry on 2FM.